when I was 10, we moved next door to Philip Foreman, who taught me English at middle school. And he drove me to school every day for two years, actually. And um, I vividly remember, so dad, before a vicar, became a head, was a headmaster. Um, so not only did I have, you should be doing your work, but you should, obviously the morality of having to do your work. But um, I obviously hadn't tried very hard on a piece of homework. And he made me go around to Philip and deliver an apology note um, and redo <laughs> the homework. I'm a bit starstruck now. Both Danny Dorling and Philip Pullman. Welcome to Coffee and Geography, where my guests and I geek out about the world and everything on it, discovering that we are all geographers in some way, shape or form. I'm your host, Kit, and my pronouns are they, them or she, her. So settle down with a brew, hit that subscribe or follow button and enjoy the listen. Hello everybody, welcome to Coffee and Geography, where we sometimes actually drink tea, maybe something a little stronger, but always, always talk geography. And it's not going to be subtle at all with this fella, because it's another geography teacher. Hello, Mr. Phil Humphreys. Hi, how are you? Two of my favourite things, coffee and geography. Ooh, so you've actually got some coffee with you today? I actually have got some coffee with me indeed. Yep, freshly brewed just for this. Okay, we'll talk about that in a second. So you, let's um, introduce you. So... You describe yourself, and I would definitely concur with this from what I know about you, passionate, caring, happy most of the time, tired all of the time, <laughs> uh, lover of coffee, good times and running. Your um, Phil is passionate about creating the next generation of, and put this in caps, geographers, not yeah. just lawyers or estate agents who did a little bit of geography on the site. Yeah. Okay. Although they can't get by without geography, can they? So. No, they can't. I'm quite good friends with them. Um, so I'm going to name drop at the start, if that's Go for okay. It. So um, Danny Dorling is one of my great mates at the university here. Uh, we've done lots of work together and he is passionate about creating geographers. He wants yeah. people to go out and to basically solve the world's crises. And I think that, you know, geography back in our day was seen as a conduit to lots of other things. Um, and few people um, went on and carried on and did geography. I remember at university, there were only two people who knew what they were doing at the end of it. It was me who wanted to go and be a teacher and somebody else who wanted to be a researcher. Um, and so, yeah, I'm passionate of, about creating the next little geographers. And my goodness, don't we need them more than ever? I think we do, utterly, yes. And it's, it's, you know, it's all very selfish as well because, you know, they'll go on and get good jobs and then they can pay tax and they can look after me when I get old, which is what I tell them. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, yeah, climate change and everything else. Excellent. Well, I'm glad that, um, I mean, I knew, I knew you knew Danny quite well. Um, I'm kind of like a loose acquaintance of Danny. So we, you know, it, you know, it's like we, we talk to each other at conferences and stuff like that. Been trying to get him on the podcast for a while. So D Danny, we know you're listening to your friend, Phil. We know you're listening. Just call me, please, Danny, call me. I so. will. I'll text him after this and, 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 and suggest that he does that. He'd love it. Absolutely, yeah. He uh, he would be an amazing guest. So, this yeah. So you got your coffee, you say. So, um, and we yeah. do name drop, brand drop because we want to challenge the sustainability of these places. So, what have you got with you? Who's your brand? Who's your go-to? Or do you kind of? So it's co-op, local co-op coffee, a local co-op. Beans, beans to beans to cup machine out there. Um, I drink far too much than is good for me. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I think it, it's fairly sustainable. I think it's fair trade, which is good. We prefer to spend a bit of money on it and drink it less often than buy cheap stuff. It's so when you say local co-op, then so it's not it's not like the 
national brand the co-op is it because because here we've got the east of england co-op so is it like that is it like an oxfordshire co-op yeah no it is so it's an oxfordshire co-op but we've actually got two in the in in our village we've got one of the 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 local ones like your little sort of um what's the word i'm searching for literally a cooperative and then we've got um we've got the the national chain as well oh yeah Cool. Yeah. And, and I never knew. And I keep getting confused about like which loyalty card to present because like I, I, I give the East of England co-op one to the co-op and they're like, no, 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 that's not yeah. us. That's the other lot. And then I give the other one. I was like, no, no, that's the other lot. They're like, they must get that so often. Uh, except what well, they must do, but they keep, they sort of seduce you. But so they tell us, oh yeah, no, you'll get points. It's fine. Just put your card in. And nobody knows how to get those points back. So somewhere there must be this <laughs> lot of like Mary Celeste co-op points somewhere. Very list of co-op points. I love it. Oh yeah, and actually, that's this is a, a really good. I'm going to give an early shout out now because I'm hoping to do a, a recording, and I haven't set it up yet, everybody. So don't no expectations yet. But I'm hoping to do a recording with uh, some. I'd say some. I wouldn't say friends, but really lovely people that I get on really well with uh, who own the. They call it the um, Natural Food Cooperative, which is basically um, a little store here in South Norfolk. And they are locally run and they co-own it and everything. And I really want to do a podcast in their store as they're serving customers. That'd be pretty awesome. But COVID is, of course, keeping that a little bit at arm's length for the moment. But so just as you mentioned Cooptive, I thought I'd give them a, a, a shout. So hi, everybody at the store, because I know they listen. So <laughs> Right. So let's talk a bit more about Oxfordshire then, because... Um, yeah. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but when I uh, looked up whereabouts you are, so you're southwest of the city of Oxford, is that? We are. We're about 13 miles outside towards Swindon. Um, okay. And I have essentially lived in Oxford for most of my, my life. We moved to Oxford when I was 10. Um, my father is a vicar, was a vicar, retired vicar. I think you never leave it um, in Oxford. And we moved around the locality. Um, and then I started teaching and have obviously moved around but always aimed to come back um and it's fantastic i think you know as dorothy said there is no place like home and oxford is a very hard place to leave oh well yeah i mean i'm looking just have a look at the map and look at the geography around it i mean you've got just to the north of you i mean are they are they reservoirs or are they what are they up there there's a hell of a lot of them so we've got lots of gravel pits so oh. obviously the, the, the quarrying for gravel um, and then they, they reclaimed it back for nature. And so there's lots of gravel pits. We have got far more reservoir, um, which is about maybe five miles away. And um, in fact, I was never more uh, conflicted when I was doing, we've just, we, before this, we talked about external marking. And um, one of the paper three um, decision-making inquiries was whether they should build a new reservoir literally about eight miles away from us. <laughs> I love it. And all this stuff is like, yes, no. And I was like, no, that's wrong. No, no, you can't be doing this. Um, so th- there is talk about building lots more reservoirs around here, in fact. So, but we've got the Thames about two miles away, which is fantastic. Uh, we've got the White Horse at Uffington. So I pointed behind me, you can see. Yes. Uh, that's about five miles away. We live in the most fant- uh, most beautiful area. Actually, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this on record now, is that we are actually, we have booked... Um, to uh, i've forgotten the name of the place now but uh it's right near the white horse and right near wailing smithy um and farringdon farringdon yes yeah, so we're gonna so we are gonna have a little family holiday there phil so well you will have to pop in so yeah is that beautiful farringdon is lovely 
your quite sort of archetypal West Oxfordshire market town. Yeah, and there's this place, there's a place we're staying. They 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 like to have their own sustainable kind of. They serve wood pigeon because right. I remember going there before, and 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 I remember I remember the taste. I remember it was absolutely gorgeous. Oh, you know, so yeah, that, that's really. So I, I kind of I can picture the landscape now. Um, but so you say you've been in Oxford and Oxfordshire, you know, for a very very long time. Yeah, my family have been. Yeah, your family. So yeah, question I always like to ask my my guests is 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 there something that makes you quintessentially Oxford, you know, through and through? That's really interesting. So um, we talk, obviously, we talk for a living. Um, my daughter would say that we sound incredibly posh. And one wonders whether the accent, <laughs> the accent comes with this. I do remember, I'm reminded of this. So we moved here when I was 10. Um, I was terrified about becoming a one does one person. You know what one does, one does that, one does that, um, oh, right. and I think I think I think I have subtly has crept up on me from behind. But <laughs> so there's that, and um, it's, it's interesting. You take things for granted. It was only four years ago that, as a family, we went punting for the first time, um, oh. and all that sort of stuff. We actually took time, um, and we did Oxford as tourists, so we did an open top bus ride and all that sort of stuff. It's it's amazing. It's obviously been ravaged by COVID as all places. So the high street is really struggling. But, you know, it, it's a lovely place to live. That's very, very true, actually. I mean, in some respects, um, we moved here into, we moved out of Norwich and into South Norfolk in 2014. And then that, and then we had our, our first child. So we were quite busy with that. So we didn't actually get much opportunity to kind of explore local area. But of course, as soon as COVID came and hit, we were doing all of the, you know, walking in the local area and just, finding out things that we just didn't realize that were there, you know, yeah. like an entire beck and a, and a kind of like a small little floodplain, like here walking around the, ri the river Waveney and seeing the fen that's around here. And it's just such a, you realize you just pick up. So all these little things, these like kind of micro landscapes, I guess you could call them, uh, which give, which give so much more enrichment to where you live. Cause I actually, I really, really do miss living in Norwich, but having explored the area now, I kind of appreciate it a hell of a lot more. It makes you realise why everybody else wants to come here or come to where you, you know, as as tourists. Yeah, it does make sense. Yeah, to be as a good way of putting it, like it, it made us be tourists in our own backyard. Yeah, no, for them. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, so when you go to somewhere else in the country, and they kind of like you talk about where you're from, what what what's what's the one thing that kind of sets you apart as as an Oxford cheer lad? Do you think? I mean, you said about the, the way you why you talk that. I think it's really sad, isn't it? But um, and this is something that we try to weave in a lot within our teaching. Um, the globalization of, of place, I think actually, um, we are all tending towards the same, which is sad. I mean, I, I've said that I've been in Oxfordshire for, for most of my life. Actually, we, we've moved pretty much every three years as, as, a, as this generation of our family. Um, so with, with jobs and, and that sort of thing. So actually we've moved around the place and I think that we are we're products of every place that we've lived. So I don't think there's anything really that stands apart. It's yeah, I, I can definitely understand that. So, I mean, I like to, I like try to read lots of fiction actually to kind of get a sense of place. And one of my favorite um, stories is one of my best um, ever is uh, Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials, um, which 
of course, is set in Oxford. It's set in an alternate universe, Oxford, but also modern day, and it kind of switches between these alternate universes. And so, can I can I name drop again now? Yeah, you can. Most certainly. Okay, can. fantastic. So that when I was ten, we moved next door to Philip Pullman, who taught me English at middle school, and Good he grief. drove me to school every day for two years, actually. And um, I vividly remember. So, Dad, before a vicar became a head, was a headmaster. Um, so not only did I have you should be doing your work, but you should, obviously the morality of having to do your work. But um, I obviously hadn't tried very hard on a piece of homework and he made me go round to Philip and deliver an apology note um, and redo <laughs> the homework. I'm a bit starstruck now. Both yeah. Danny Dorling and Philip Pullman. Well, yeah, no, so he's lovely. Philip Pullman is really lovely. And do he and do you have his contact details? Because I would love he, to have him on the podcast. Yeah, no, he, he doesn't do anything. So um, yeah, I asked him to come and do his speeches at school and he doesn't do anything really. I think he would have to do it for everybody. Yeah, so. that's fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, I think what a lot of people need to need to appreciate with anybody who gains celebrity status is that they still are, you know, a human being who needs their own time, their own privacy and their own things like that. But I've kept my exercise books for 40 years, so... <laughs> that is incredible oh yeah. wow i'm just i'm just i'm 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 basking in double reflected kind of yeah sorry. Here. oh no don't apologize at all it's great <laughs> i love it when i hear stories like that the the kind of i have a couple but i suppose the one that i i always say is that i went to um university stanley with matt smith so the 11th doctor yeah, there um, you are. You see. So yeah, we we and we played a little bit of football. I mean, he had a uh, he had a, like a major football injury. He would have been a really good footballer, but he had a major injury, and he ended up focusing on his studies. And funnily enough, that led him to be a quite famous actor. So he's done all right for himself. Yeah, not like, bad. But I can still only remember him like crawling into the university. But no, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. It's a story for another time. It's a story for another time. Yeah. <laughs> So we got the, some of our three name drops, four name drops now. Crikey, yeah, we're doing all right, here, aren't we? Amazing, yeah, yeah, we are. I got a question to ask you because when I about about maps, right? Um, yeah. But before we move on to maps in general, because like just looking behind you and everything's amazing. Mm. I how do you pronounce this village's name? Right? Is it Kingston Bagpoise or something? Uh, <laughs> I, Kingston Bagpews. Bagpews. Kingston oh, Bagpews. So close. Yeah. So close. Yeah, yeah. It's like Bychester, which is. seriously everybody go onto the coffee and geography map go to season two click on um fields locator and look at the village names and some of the names of the gravel pits and the reservoirs around there and like give it a go honestly (laughs) it's just like crazy if you think some of the welsh names is like yeah what's what's, (laughs) so what do you have around you what's the hardest place around you to oh well norfolk yeah we're quite so um well geography teacher you know there's Haysborough now I'm not going to spell it out for anybody because obviously I want everybody to listen I want you to spell Haysborough please everybody right do that shall we reveal it later on shall I put it in the show notes to reveal it later on I think you should do yeah okay so we'll make sure make sure we come back to later so Haysborough okay the next one everybody is Wyndham Okay. Oh yeah, 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 Wyndham, famous school there as well. Wyndham, yeah. And hello to all my colleagues and friends at, at Wyndham College and Wyndham High. So they're the two main ones, really. Yeah, Haysborough and Wyndham. So we'll, we'll stick yes. with those two. We'll, we'll, we'll be nice to everybody, but there are plenty, plenty <laughs> more. Yeah. Okay. So let's go on with maps then. Yeah. You, you got that beautiful geological map of Oxfordshire behind yeah. you, but you you meant you showed me just before we started, and I really want you to talk about this. Is like you said, you've got. 
ornate survey maps was it from your grandfather was it yeah so my grandfather was the county planning officer for worcester back in the day worcestershire um and was the one that started to put the m5 through worcester um and my uncle um took sort of um followed in that that profession so he became a, a town planning officer as well um both have passed on but both were uh hoarders for want of a better word um and so my my aunt has just moved actually from norfolk from hook in norfolk to oxford um and uncovered all sorts of stuff so i have got all of the ordnance survey maps we found um every journey that my uncle had taken he'd kept tickets he'd kept um timetables the itineraries all sorts of every journey away um, wow. So fortunately, my cousins have kept all of that. <laughs> so yeah, it's amazing. Uh, it is amazing. So yeah, uh, my wife, much to my wife's chagrin, um, I have now got two shelves of of obsolete but beautiful ordnance survey maps. Oh, now you see, I would argue they're not obsolete because, well, first of all, let's talk about what you say about those tickets. You could do a really amazing mapping exercise with those stuff, yeah, you like could. tracing you could. what 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 your uncle did. But I would say, oh. I, Old map. I used to keep the old Ordnance Survey maps. Um, Cause do you do you remember that everybody? You wouldn't believe that this happened, right? But uh, Phil might remember. But the Ordnance Survey used to send out free maps to every yeah. year seven. So that's yes, so that's did. eleven year olds um, of their local area, which was incredible that they did. Unbelievable. That. Yeah. yeah, free Ordnance Survey. And if you if um, almost anybody in the United Kingdom will be aware of what Ordnance Survey maps are, and if you're not sure what they are just 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 look them up they're 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 beauty they're a thing of beauty they're, they're a technical and visual beauty basically a masterpiece aren't they, really? they're master- so of course we we end up with quite a few spares left over because they wouldn't send you the exact amount they'll send you like the rounded up it's probably why they had to discontinue it probably spending so much money. but um because it's all gone digital now so they so they that process itself you know was not just expensive it also became obsolete itself but um what I used to do with the old maps, so I used to grab grab the old ones and then get the the youngsters to challenge to see what had changed over time, so they could, you know, do do like a visual kind of um, visual analysis, so sort of temporal analysis on on static maps, which is kind of a, a precursor to introducing them to like geographical information systems, where you can just use the slider or something. Yeah, on the on the Digimap now you can do yeah, that, can't you? Exactly. What a great exercise! So it was really good, and it was just the joy that you get of just seeing like these giant great big maps just be unfolded all over the classroom creating yeah. you know you could hardly walk around for the for it and everything but but that would be amazing to grab one of those old on survey maps and grab out the recent one and just have a look yeah. and i'll do that but one of the best things about being in oxford is the access to everything so um i took my lower sixth um midway through last term we started the sense of place module and we went to the bodleian map rooms and they gave us a behind the scenes tour, but they also dug out 20 maps going back in time of Oxford up into the present day. And you, you, what a privilege oh, to have these just in front of a table. Um, the curator giving us the sort of the lowdown is just phenomenal. Oh, that's We're so, so lucky to be in Oxford. Yeah, no, for a map geek, this is just like- Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. We've got a cartographers down the road. So I take um, year seven, we go and visit these cartographers and go and watch them being made, all the maps being produced. Uh, they let us loose in there for a morning. It's again, we're so lucky. That sounds um, brilliant. 
so yeah, you got your year seven, so your eleven year olds, and then you said lower six, so, so for everybody that's roughly like seventeen year olds. Yeah. So lovely that they're getting that really enriched kind of from the start and all the way through towards the end of their high school. And that's brilliant. yeah. So we look at do we value my place in the world? In fact, the whole thrust of our first. God, time's flown, but about 20 minutes of conversation. You know, do I value my place in the world? We're doing, I'm teaching that as, as we speak um, to the year seven. And we start off with, you know, what do you like? What do you don't like about living in Oxford? Can you talk to my kids um, who are 15 and 16 about living here? Um, and whilst it's great that we've got a garden and, you know, it's quiet, they hate it because there's one yeah. bus to Oxford a day. There's the school bus, which they can get on, but we have to drive them everywhere. There's a pub, there's no shop, so there's nowhere to work. And it's really interesting. So I always start off with that and then and then get the kids to sort of tell me, not my kids, the kids at school to tell me about what they don't like or what they do like about living in their areas. So. It's such a great exercise as well. And, and, it, and I, it feeds into, you can go down a really wonderful geographical rabbit hole with that. So then you can start looking at, for example, population demographics and you can see yeah. why why you have... A, you know, a substantial bulge of 20 year olds that, and to 30 year olds in the cities. Whereas yeah. if you go in the real rural areas, there's a dearth of them because they've all moved to the, you yeah, know, yeah. and it's just, well, there's a and, model, isn't there somewhere? Is it the lifestyle model? I always try to, the, of the cities that we don't talk about anymore with the CBD going all the way out. Oh Burgess yes. Model, the Burgess, Burgess model. model. Oh my, the 1920s Burgess yeah. model. Yeah. So it's like the Burgess model with <laughs> arrows and it does start off, you know, you you live out when, with your parents, you've got no choice about where you live. Then when you go to university, you'll probably move into a city. Then when you're young and, and you know, you're wanting to go to clubs, you'll live in, in the centre. And then gradually you'll aim to move out and live rural and remote like we all do now. This is, this is, this is true. I mean, as much as I miss Norwich, you know, you get quote unquote more bang for your buck out here. Yeah, you do. And um, uh, do you, do you get, do, do Uber deliver to, Uber Eats deliver to, to you? I haven't tried yet. The only time I've got Uber Eats delivered to me was out in Colorado when I visited a friend. So I haven't okay, tried it definitely. here yet. So. so no, we don't, we don't get anything. Nothing delivers out here at all. No nothing pizzas, no takeaways, all. nothing. No, that's how remote we are. That's what the kids <laughs> oh, hate it the most. There you go. See, there you go. Not even the roaming services are coming out to you. Hi folks, a chance for you to recharge your brew, but also a polite prod to remind you that it's so easy to support this podcast. Simply liking, sharing, rating and reviewing means that it will get on more people's radar. Also, there are a few links down in the description which may be of mutual benefit. Please do check them out. Okay, so um, we're going to have a shift, a bit of tack here, and I'm going to get you to see if you can bark up the right tree or bark up the wrong tree. Okay, let's do this. So, and for listeners... I'm very naive, uh, so I'll believe uh, the story. <laughs> I don't know, I, 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 I did... Um, yeah, so I, I did my best to make these as, as um, believable as possible, both of these. So for everybody, this is where I give two geographical uh, stories, so news stories or events or something like that. And one of them is true and one of them is false, but both are quite strange. So hopefully, and it's all just the fun, you know, for, just for you listeners yeah. to play along. So there's two here. I'll read you out the first one. So this is 9th of September, 2020. The myth of the Yataveo, or the man-eaten tree, may not be a myth after all. Documents recovered from a storage box of collected items from Madagascar in the 19th century depicts 
uh, detailed field sketches of a carnivorous tree with huge poisonous spines. The author of these documents, who is unknown, detailed how the indigenous people found a way to log the trees without suffering injury or death. And that is why none are seen today. So there you go. That's the first one. Man-eating carnivorous trees. Um, and the mm-hmm. second one, so this is a bit more recent, 29th of November 2021. Study finds that climate change is causing some albatrosses to divorce, according to Francesco Ventura, a PhD stu- student at the University of Lisbon, who studies albatrosses in the Falkland Islands of Argentina. Divorce in albatrosses isn't very common, but usually happens when they fail to breed. And Ventura says, divorce is affected by the environment in a direct way. There is a direct pathway linking the environment to divorce, and in particular, higher sea surface temperatures to divorce. So, divorcing albatrosses because of climate change or a man-eating carnivorous tree from Madagascar? So, whilst I'd love the man-eating tree to be true, and um, there's a bleeding <laughs> tree in Wales, I believe. We've been taken to um, by, our, by our friends who were Welsh. They took us to this bleeding tree, um, and it's a very red sap. Um, and so, I would love the man-eating um, tree to be true, and, I, and you're now going to come around and tell me that it is. But actually, <laughs> I, I think the albatross story is 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 familiar to me, and I think okay. it's divorced divorcing albatrosses, which is really sad, isn't so, it? So, uh, but are you experiencing a bit of salience bias here? Like you're going with what you feel is familiar, or is it? Yeah, no, I am. I'm afraid. Yeah, no. I, so I'm going okay. to say that, that that's the true the true one, and the man eating tree is barking up the to say it the wrong tree <laughs> well you are absolutely correct stop recording now. that's it <laughs> yes, <laughs> right yeah so actually that that i mean there is there is the myth of the madagascan carnivorous tree but it's never been proven so so i twisted the truth there that the documents had been found to be proven but it's yeah, still no, a because, myth i mean you, you wouldn't survive to write it up would you because you <laughs> presumably but it's it's a concoction of the fact that you do have creeping trees, walking trees. They they're real. Um, I'll I'll put the link in the description for everybody to read the article that I've got this from. And of course, you do have things like Venus flytraps and carnivorous yeah. plants. Yeah. So this is a, a conflation of those two things. And and they think that actually evolution could, if humans disappeared and evolution took its course, you know, it is plausible that there could be a carnivorous tree. Yeah, so in the future. I mean, we would look to the trees if humans disappeared. Absolutely. Yeah, well put. And uh, the other one is true. Um, and it's from, so it's many, many news outlets actually picked this up. And the I, this is from um, America's NPR, uh, National Public Radio. And that is absolutely true. And uh, for the listeners, I'll just play a little clip of the um, chat between the host and Francesco Ventura. Believe it or not, the scientific term for when an albatross couple calls it quits is divorced. It's not common, but it usually happens when the pair fails to breed. And now a new study from Ventura and his team finds there's another cause for albatross divorce. Divorce is affected by the environment in a direct way. There is a direct pathway linking the environment to to divorce, and in particular, higher sea surface temperatures to divorce. That's right, sea surface temperatures. Ventura says in years when the ocean surface is warmer, it's harder for the albatrosses to find food, which means they are taking longer to get back to their breeding grounds. And that causes their mates to sometimes move on to new love interests. Ventura also thinks stress hormones come into play. Those hormones spike when albatrosses have trouble finding food. Higher levels of of, um, uh, stress hormones in females might lead them to misinterpret um, this higher stress as a poor performance by the partner and therefore divorce. 
Ventura says climate change makes this especially worrying. So there you go. You got it absolutely spot on. It's really sad, isn't it? It is very sad. The the unseen um, effects of climate change. Yeah, and I will and I will hark back to um, I can't remember what episode number it was, but it was a latter. It was towards the end of the season of uh, season one, where I spoke to um, Eli Ramos, and they were talking about how um, climate change is also affecting birdsong in California yeah. and in San Francisco. And so it's just you're right; it's these subtle ways that it's completely ripping, almost like the culture, the fabric, the society of animals apart. You know, from mating calls to to actual mating and you know it's it's really really sad and you know that the albatrosses live so far away who, who's going to be the therapist for them who can go down there and look at them and ask them that if they just yeah. need to talk or squawk or whatever they do i don't know yeah so but it looks but unfortunately folks it's you know climate change is becoming just as needless threat as not being able to well it's as much of a threat as physically not been able to breed and that is a yeah. problem obviously for for the future of the species yeah. so um thanks to francesco ventura and everybody working on that and hopefully that a solution can be found and of course we can all do our bit to pressure the pat- rich and powerful to sort climate change out but yeah, i have yes. my soapbox well and, no uh, don't we did a very we we did um so i'm, I'm looking at um paul's work on um uh, Clay, the, the Anthropocene, teaching the Anthropocene. Oh, Paul Turner. Yeah, hello to Paul Turner. So uh, how, how, how much do we fly? Last two lessons yesterday. And my Lord, they fly quite a lot, my pupils. So <laughs> I was there alone going, no, are we sure we're going to fly? It's like, yeah, well, yes, we are. So Yes. Was it, is it I can't, don't know how to pronounce it. Is it flag, flag scum or something like that, which, which means flight shame? You know, yeah. that, that's what, yeah. Paul, Paul, if, Paul, you can come on. And you can actually pronounce that for us because you, you've got that in your actual scheme of work, haven't you? So, um, yeah, and and I, I do feel that because having a family in America, obviously, because we need to maintain those connections with our family in the States, you could you could say, well, Kit, it was your choice to kind of enter into this relationship. Yeah, absolutely, you know, but love finds a way. Um, and so what mm-hmm. we're finding is, of course, is that we are we are trying to budget our carbon as strictly as I possibly can to allow ourselves, you know, at least one flight, maybe every 18 months or something um, to go and see our family, which is why I don't really go to see other places around the world because, you know, I'm spending the time going back to the States, but, um, but I shouldn't be shamed into that because it pales into insignificance of the frequent flyers, the business flyers, Absolutely. the people who take their yeah. private jets, the chartered planes and things like that. You know. Everybody who threw their private jets to car, do you think? Yeah, the less said about that the better really well no the more said about it the better no i got that completely opposite it's interesting so my, uh, we've talked about my wife she works at a boarding school we tried to work out how many trees they would have to plant so it's a full boarding school so 400 kids most of them come from asia uh russia right. so they will yep. be flying two three four times a year um eight flights and how many trees they'd have to plant to to um, deal with all the carbon and um, Oxfordshire wasn't big enough. It was crazy. Wow. So you made those calculations and the like whole entire yeah. county of Oxfordshire. Yeah. Just not, well, there you go. Over time. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's just ridiculous. Complete carbon imbalance there. And that's yeah. why we have well, the situation we have. Right. Yeah. I'm going to move on to spill the beans now, Phil. Okay. So nobody's listening to this. You've told Nobody's this, listening. Right? No, there's no one's listening. So we can just, you know, be, be free and easy about what you say. But, um, so if I was to play a famous song, like, I don't like cricket, I love it. 
yeah. and I can't actually play the song because then I have to pay royalties, right? Yes. I'll just let it. I'll just so let it play in people's like heads. Oh, oh, but you can sing it, yeah, yeah. I love it. <laughs> so yeah, your okay. favourite place is the Long mm. Room at Lords. Yes, so spill the beans then. So how did you come to this to be out of all the places a geography teacher could pick? The Long Room at Lords. <laughs> so I've always been a bit into cricket. Um, I love cricket. I love. Um, I now mostly. Um, play sport through watching my son play um so i haven't played for a while but um back in the day i was i was reasonable and so i became a member of the mcc um wow. and so that enables me now to go to lords to that's the cricket. middlesex cricket club uh the marylebone right? marylebone cricket club right so, yeah yep. um middlesex do play at lords and and you can join that too um it's it's not as good um so <laughs> So yeah, I get I, so I can go to every day of every test match for free, basically, um, <sighs> or when, when England are playing at Lords, and it's just very, very special. Um, it, it is quintessentially English, you know. So it's people uh, with a tie, with a jacket. You're not allowed in without that. I quite like that. Um, women are allowed in now, which is perfect um, because back in the day they weren't, and um, yeah. Probably the less said about that, the better too. Um, <laughs> it's just a hallowed reverence. So the players have to walk through the long room in order to get to the pitch. Um, if you've not seen the view from mostly the television camera view when people are running into bowl or, is from that that side. And it's just, there's something very special wow. about it. Actually, my favorite place now is three floors above where there's an open top bar looking down over all of this. <laughs> and that's quite special too. But, yeah. Does, this, does this, yeah. this, this ticket that you get, does it come with a plus one? Yeah, no, it does. Yeah, I can get you into the, get you into the long room of the Lords. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's very special. It's a, it's a lovely place to be. And I think, you know, for anybody who likes anything to go and see it played where it all done so you know a concert at the albert hall or anything like that to go and see something where it's meant to be is very special and Absolutely. to not sit with the hoi polloi also that, that's quite special <laughs> and the, the thing is everybody i mean you know you may not be a sports fan you may not be a cricket fan or anything like that but but you know lords is is hallowed turf for english cricket yes it is you know it, it's yeah. it's it's as famous as i would say old Wembley Stadium for the England football team rather than new yes. Wembley that although yes. the new it's a nice stadium you know it's it is like Yankee Stadium for 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 baseball yeah. in the United States you know they, these are very highly reverent places of sport it's it's like center court for Wimbledon so yeah. so if you're not sure and it doesn't matter how bad the England cricket team are doing because let's face it they're <laughs> doing really badly at the moment you know Lord's yeah we just, won't talk about the most recent ashes yeah let's not <laughs> yeah oh that's fantastic that's stunning right so we're coming uh towards the end of our chat now but before we do i did promise that's i did put a, and it's crazy how quickly has it gone time flies and you're having fun so everybody so you want i gave you a challenge a bit earlier didn't i about yeah. spelling haysborough and Wyndham. um yeah so you do you know okay. how to spell Wyndham because w y n there is a D-O-M, Wyndham, and then, oh, no, I, I get lost from there on in. Wyndham, and then O-M-N? No, that's terrible. No, yeah. no, I don't. 
They're yeah, asking see? a vague dyslexic to spell most on <laughs> most. I feel words. your pain. Yeah, <laughs> I'm on the same. Um, yeah, so Winder, I would never have been able to spell it if I've never seen it. It's it's W Y M O N D H A M. So phonetically, it would be Y Y Mondum, but it's Windum. Yeah. And Haysborough. That's interesting. Is that the one with the P's? Yes. Ah, so I'll just stop there. It's got peas. <laughs> so, you know, for those of you who've never heard the every jog, you know, most geography teacher will 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 know this, but um, you will not. You will be. This will blow your mind, everybody. Right? H a p p i s b u r g h. Happisborough. Happisburg. Yeah, Happisborough. Yeah, but it's yeah. pronounced Haysborough. Yeah. There you go. So look it up, folks. And Haysborough is a fantastic thing to look at in general, actually, especially if you're able to find before and after pictures because it is one of the most fastest eroding parts of the Norfolk coastline, um, very famously, actually. So, uh, yeah, it's worth a look up. Right. Are you ready for this now, Phil? I feel okay. that... You, you, you have primed me. Yeah, I think um, Andy... Andy, 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 what are you doing here? Like, you come on, you interlope my show, and you <laughs> do this to my guests. Um, fair play, fair play to you. But, so I'm gonna. So Phil, it's all right. I think we can we can battle this together, right? It'll be Go good. On. We'll do it. do it. We'll do it. We're gonna we're gonna blow Andy out the water here, right? So, folks, what this is all about? We are all geographers. It's where. Every, just a bit of fun. We connect all our guests together by coming up with a word that we try and link to geography, geographical processes or places or whatever it is, anything geographical. And last week we had, um, so Andy who did um, the word drag, so which was given to him by Assyria and Lauren about, so, you know, because they fans of drag race. <laughs> so did, did all right with that. And <laughs> so this is, you ready? Phil, Andy's given you, the word, the longest word in the English dictionary, that's not a technical term. Can I just say, you know, you said we were all geographers. Yeah. Can you remind me what Andy does again, perhaps? Well, yeah, I mean, he's he's an interloper. Yeah, so he's so a podcaster. Count, so he's a count, he's a, he's a Oh, of course he counts. Yeah, <laughs> we can't come on. We can't claim to link everything to geography and then sideline sideline the likes of Andy, right <laughs> but the word he is given and i'm going to say us because I've, we'll, we'll do it together the word okay. he has given us is anti-disestablishmentarianism <laughs> yeah good on him <laughs> i know yeah fair play so, so but to be fair you know we, we are quite revolutionary we wouldn't want to be disestablishmentarianists would we so it's always uh, good to try and be an anti-disestablishmentarianist so right there you go so i think actually andy we've got this 30 seconds yeah. is going to be easy and for those of you who like i still I've, I've heard that word time and time again like on trivia pub quizzes or whatever but i never know what it means so wikipedia def defines it as um, it's a position that advocates that a, a state church or an establishment or an authority um, should continue to receive government uh, peerage rather than be disestablished. Dis, dis so in other words, it's like rather than separating the state and the church or, the, or anything like that, it's like you're against that from happening. So anti-disestablishmentarianism. Yeah. Dis, so anti-anti-establishment. Yeah. Anti yeah. And you're oh. not going to ask me to spell it, are you now? No, and no, I'm definitely... Oh. My goodness, I can't spell it. <laughs> right, but but yeah, you've you've yeah. got it. What you just said, what you've just primed is perfect. Yep, yeah, separate. No, no, you know, have we started? So, so are you ready? Yeah. Okay, so I'm just so for I've got a visual cue for Phil here to know when the 30 seconds is up. So Phil, whenever you're ready, off you go. So 
we all know what happened when Henry VIII tried to, you know, took the church away from the state, from the monasteries. It was carnage. You know, the dissolution of the monasteries, terrible. Separating church from state isn't a good thing to do. So I think the unification of church and state, and let's face it, the Queen has got a, not, a lot else to deal with at the moment than having her yes. role as the head of the Church of England taken away from her. You know, we need to give the old love something to keep her happy. <laughs> the old love. I love it. Right up the 30 seconds is like the old love to keep her something happy. Yeah, and of course, how is that shaped, you know, human geographical processes? You know, the, the merging of the, you know, my God, colonialization. you know? Yeah. Because the spreading of, of, you know, Christianity around the world and what, what that's done for cultures and spiritual, um, you know, practices around the world completely destroyed them and, and polluted it in a sense, you know. So, yeah, we could talk about, you know, so it's a really good word, Andy, but really when you break it down, it's you could go on quite a while just as me and Hill are threatening to do there. I'm not sure that I got that right, though, however. but um, Oh, I think it's great. You might want to cut that one out. <laughs> no, no, no. You meant well. You mentioned you mentioned a head of state, you know, and of course, the head of state has a ceremonial geographical influence, if if not, you know, an actual, you know, political and um, functional one. So, no, I think I think going going with our old Liz was a good good Bless call. Her. Long <laughs> to reign over us. Long to reign over us. Your turn then. So right. I don't know how, how if you're going to be. A little bit kinder to our next guest, but um, it could be a word that we, you know, something that we've talked about, or it could be something completely random. It's entirely up to you, Phil. Okay, so I think that um, let's see here. What about an isthmus? I can't even say it now. An isthmus, an I S T H M U S. Okay. Yep, isthmus. Right. So we, I'm, I'm not going to say anything about it. I don't want to give any clues away. But let's see what they can do with that next week. Yeah, Isn't why this? not? Yeah, that's a good I tell you what, though, this is already going to be, because what I did for the end of season one is I put a poem threading all the words together. And already this is going to be a very interesting poem. We've got drag, anti-disestablishmentarianism, and isthmus so yeah this is already going to be a very interesting thing how you know so really everybody you're not you're not you're not setting each other up you're setting me up really setting you up. absolutely yeah and we yeah. didn't know about this poem either, so it, I, yeah, yeah. I, I i was working on it in secret i was trying to construct it as i went along and it, <laughs> yeah okay brilliant. um i'm i i used to be a stickler for rhyming but i just get into a rhythm and if it rhymes it rhymes so it's the rhythm for me that's important. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> right. Now, you've given so many shout outs already. So you, we said hi to Danny. We said hi to Philip Pullman. But is there anybody else you want to say hi to? Do you know what? Um, this is going to sound very um, like I'm blowing smoke. But the Twitter community, the geography Twitter community is just a fantastic community to be a part of. And I would I urge anybody who is listening to this, although quite how you'd know about it, if you weren't part of the geography Twitter community, I don't know. But if you weren't, to join in. Um, you know, it's supportive. It's a giggle. Um, the stuff that you did over lockdown where, you know, you got us together on Zoom and we had a, a beer yeah. on a Friday night. That was phenomenal. Um, so it's, it's a place of, of support and it's a place of growth as well. I've learned so much. Um yeah. And if and Katie it, Walker's listening to this, you know, your old geography teacher hasn't done badly. 
Oh, that's great. Yeah, and in all fairness, everybody, you know, it's, I think there's there's a lot of, when you've got the bigger hashtag, the EduTwitter hashtag, there's been a lot of, uh, don't avoid that one. There's a lot of spitefulness on that. I felt so bad about the EduTwitter one that uh, we formed Cricu Twitter. So there's a group of teachers who just talk about cricket. And in fact, we've now taken it away from Twitter. and We've got this massive WhatsApp group of, of teachers talking cricket. And oh. it's phenomenal. I had the opportunity I, in my local bookstore where my wife works. We had Henry Blomfield come in to oh, do a book signing. Brilliant. My yes. dear old thing. Yes. I'm a fair weather cricket fan. We'll go to Lords. Yeah. <laughs> so Phil I know you got uh, a couple of social media accounts but uh, you can give them both, uh, both a little plug if you want or you can say the one that you'd like people to follow the most yeah so um at Witchwood Geography is my is my um sort of geography teaching twitter the rest of it's just stupid running cricket cooking <laughs> <laughs> I know some people there are definitely be some people listening who like that yeah a lot of geographers run so that's quite nice they certainly do, and let's let's make it um, a half dozen sh- for shout outs. Yeah, David Rogers. Hey, David, another runner. Geography. Phenomenal. Yeah, no, he is. Yeah, I'm hoping he'll be. So we're off to ice. So all the hypocritical chats I've just given about flying. Yes. Uh, we're off to Iceland at the end of March with school. Um, I'm hoping he'll be our teacher guide. So no pressure, Sweet. David. But you know. Well, but as we said before, you know, taking taking kids on a potentially life changing yes. trip, which has um, a net positive for the environment and for empathy and for a respect for our world, I think is far better than the shuttle people who shuttle Absolutely. backwards and forwards on planes. So, so, so let's... we do a lot of work with the habits of mind as our pastoral right. process. Um, and one of them is um, responding with awe and wonderment. That's right. Well, cause I'm thinking how many, how many youngsters have had those life-changing experiences and then have gone on, to either inspire others to do something amazing or gone on to do something amazing themselves, you know, the world wouldn't be as much. So we, we do need to kind of like, this, this is why our efforts need to be focused on those who are, they're not returning value, shall we say, with the traveling that they're doing. I think that's probably the best way that the best and pragmatic way to say it, I think. think So let's not, let's not guilt ourselves into that. If if you think there's a life change, like when, like the students I spoke to in season one, my ex students, when we went to America, you know, the things that they've now gone on and done, and they cite, you know, because of that experience at Yellowstone National Park, they're now doing X, Y, and Z, and they're changing well for the better. You know, that's it's got to be worth something. You know, it's got to be worth Definitely. something. Definitely. Right then, Phil. This I've really loved today's chat. Thank you so much for joining me. You've been a wonderful guest. It's been phenomenal. Thank you so much. And just to sit down and chat with you for a bit. I know it's good. It's good to get to know you. Um, so no, thank you very much indeed. Um, I've really, really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you had fun. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe so more stories and experiences can drop into your favorite podcast app. If you fancy being a guest or have any feedback, follow us on Twitter at CoffeeJogPod and send us a DM. Or you could email coffeeandjog at geogramblings.com. Until next time, keep geogging.